news, everyone. I'm back, baby. It's Jake C. Lee. I'm great. Everybody else sucks. Oh, oh no. It's every nightmare I've ever had. Excuse me. It's time to check the link. Pretty crazy, huh? <laughs> but it doesn't matter because none of this has anything to do with the show. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. It's all in sports. Sure, we talk about it all the time. Really? No. Game on, everybody. It's all in sports. You should know that by now. But just in case you're coming from today's amazing guest and don't know that, I'm Jake Seeley, at Kid. You can find me on Twitter, and that's where I tweet out all the links to the greatness of The Athletic. By the way, if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, just head over to my rankings, waiver column, pick a column, honestly. It's $1 a month right now for new subscribers. I don't know how long that's going to last. But as always, we are here to talk fantasy football and get you, uh, well, no, I was going to say get you ready for week four. But this today's discussion is going to be more about getting you ready for the rest of the season, maybe getting you out of the dumps, maybe getting you back on track. So let's get to Mr. Chris Harris. By the way, if anybody watches football, he watches more football in one weekend than you probably have in your life. He's definitely slept fewer hours than you probably have this week. And that's why I love him, because if you want somebody who knows football, you want Chris Harris at Harris Football to follow him at Harris Football for the website. So, Chris, also tell everybody everything you have going on every single day of your life during the football season. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I do five podcasts a week there, Jake. Thanks for having me on yours. But yeah, you come on mine quite a bit too. Uh, so yeah, five shows a week podcasting and I don't remember how many YouTubing, three or four. It's, the YouTube uh, actually is not, is not simulcast of the podcast. It's actually original content where we break down NFL game film uh, and try to get fantasy advantages from what we see on film, trying to essentially see beyond what the numbers say and see if we can find some some difference between what the numbers say and what our eyes are telling us. Um, yeah, so every, all that stuff is at harrisfootball.com. Thank you for asking. Yeah, so you don't even take the lazy way out by simulcasting. You, you, you have content <laughs> on top of content on top of content. That's why we love you. Well, thank you. All right, so similar to your show, the reason I love talking with you every year is because it's very, very analytical of what do we see? What do we think? And we're going to get it. That's kind of be the theme of today's show, which we'll get to in a second, but I want to do talk about one team as a whole right off the gate. And look, the Eagles, there's a lot here. There's mm. Carson Wentz has looked miserable. Uh, they're suffering uh, 18 up teen thousand injuries again. Uh, we saw that what that meant for Boston Scott late last year, and he's kind of falling into the situation again because it might be Greg Ward this week. Deshaun Jackson, even while healthy, hasn't really done much. They lost Goddard. They have Hightower. They just brought in Akeem Butler to play tight end. I know that's a lot, and you know I don't want you to feel like you have to talk for 10 minutes about this team, but <laughs> – what what are you making of this team for fantasy purposes at this point, Chris? Is the simple answer Sanders, Ertz, and just fade everything else? Or is there some intrigue you have similar to late last year? So for the purposes of the entire season, I don't think we're fading the entire rest of the team because things do change over the course of a season. And it's not like I would recommend uh you know you need to divest yourself immediately of every eagle that's on your roster but if you told me just in the immediate term like let's not go crazy this week 
and not worry. Sure, that seems like advisable, right? Carson Wentz doesn't need this challenge. It's not going well for him. I, I mean, he played poorly against the Bengals, no question about it. Uh, Jason Peters played worse. They've got Jason Peters playing left tackle, and he is not a left tackle anymore. He, people say he's going to the Hall of Fame. I'll let other people decide uh, about who, which offensive linemen are going to the Hall of Fame. But, uh, you know, he, he used to be an elite left, left tackle, and he was just an absolute disaster. I don't know, Jake, do, do we feel like the Bengals' pass rush is, like, immensely special? No, I actually looked that up today after going back and watching. I didn't watch the full game from start to finish, but at the end also looked it up and it was three sacks and I think it was five or six quarterback hits. And yeah, the Bengals being able to get that much pressure. And to not even the point that you we're talking about here is the next three games, you know, are at San Francisco, at Pittsburgh, at, and then home back to Baltimore. Like, wow, like. I kind of yeah. feel like for at least three weeks, we fade them maybe, question mark? Sure. I think it's fine. I don't think we are so heavily invested in anything Eagles-wise. And if you have Miles Sanders, you're heavily invested and you're worried. But I think you probably don't have a lot of choice. Uh, you know, Zach Ertz feels like that's not going to go away. The Goddard injury sort of makes us realize who the number one receiver really is, right? It's going to be Zach Ertz and has been probably. Uh, and, and I don't feel like we're committed enough to any of the rest of the pieces that we're locked into wanting to use them regardless. The, the question is how, how much better can it get? Because in addition to a bunch of injuries, like I kind of don't want to hear this year after year about the Eagles. They have a lot of injuries. <laughs> there are other teams who have a lot of injuries too. They're idiots. They played like a stupid team this past week. I'll, I'll just run, I'll run through a third and 15 for the Bengals in the fourth quarter where they, they gave up a little, I mean, the Bengals are giving up. They, a little Gio Bernard screen right in the middle of the field. The Eagles had played everybody on the, on the yard marker. He ran for 42 yards. Two times in overtime, they got into field goal range and committed penalties on offense. Uh, then another drive, they lined up for the game winner at the very end of overtime, another false start. They're, you know, dumb, 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 dumb. And I don't know what that is, uh, but it, and, and it, I, I think it probably usually doesn't characterize the Eagles. Usually they're the team that takes advantage of the Cowboys when they do that stuff. Uh, but I, it just feels like the whole thing's in a blender and it probably is best to just say, all right, I mean, depends on your league of whether you're dropping Carson once, but you sure don't want to use them. And there's no other wide receiver you want to use. And you hold your nose with Sanders and you, and you hope that there's enough volume there. I don't think he's a, as special a player as people were billing him as, but at running back beggars can't be choosers. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. It, for the people complaining about Joe Mixon, I'm like, look, okay, yeah, he's not an RB1, but I mean, RB2 for somebody getting 20 touches a game, like this isn't, you know, running backs aren't flush with options where it could be like, ah, forget it. I don't want Joe Mixon anymore. Right. Real quickly, let me throw a question that I love that you do on your show, kind of back at you, what you do. If Carson Wentz has a good game, like kind of what do you need to see from Carson Wentz to start him again? So if he goes out against the 49ers and throw, like has a Drew Brees type of game, like all of a sudden looks great. And granted, one of those plays was a lot to do with Kamara and not Drew Brees. But sure. to give the example of, let's say he has 300 yards and three touchdowns against the 49ers. Would you put him out there against the Steelers on your fantasy team? I, I hesitate to say never because it always depends on context, right? It depends on, right. are we talking super flex? Then yeah. Are we talking quarterback scarcity? Then there's a chance. 
No, the answer really is no. The answer is if it's a regular old 12-team league where maybe four of the teams carry two quarterbacks, but otherwise there's usually a streaming option, and I've kind of been going back and forth among quarterbacks because I haven't been happy. I don't have one of the made guys. Then no, I think the answer is probably not good enough. Let's see how it looks. I could change my mind. He could look amazing, but he himself has been a wreck. The first interception, I don't know, it wasn't that big of a deal, but the – there's another one on there. He had two last week. Am I right about that? I can't remember. But yeah. uh, there was one throw that was supposed to be back shoulder and wasn't. And he, he's, he's not played awesome, that's for sure. Okay. All right. So let's get to the part of the show I was alluding to, alluding to at the top. And this is going to kind of be that, that theory, so to speak. So we have three weeks in the books. And not that that's a huge sample, but we're starting to get a decent kind of idea of this season there's been a lot of frustrations there's been a lot of excitement so i'm going to kind of go through some names and they're all disappointing names for everybody out there and chris it's going to be the angle of have you seen enough to call them drop we're going to say 12 team standard typical rosters are they droppable benchable a bust kind of like how how much down that range you're going to go and we knew the first one, let's start at quarterback. First one off the top, we knew the Giants' schedule was miserable to start. We knew that. We knew it softens yeah. up in the mm-hmm. middle of the season. The, you know, defenses change every year, and that doesn't look like it's changed for what's on their schedule. But I don't know that many people who supported Daniel Jones expected it to be this bad. So for right. Daniel Jones with no Barkley, is he droppable, bust, or are you completely off similar to Carson Wentz right now? Oh, I'm much lower on Daniel Jones than I am Carson Wentz. Yeah, and I was never one. I was never one who wanted to be. You know, I I was the one banging the drum all summer saying, "Watch out, he might be Trubisky." So I I know you take that personally. I apologize, but I'll <laughs> I'll say I'll say he's a he's a. Again, I if we take twelve team standard and there's some modicum of availability for quarterbacks, then I would say I want to drop him and get a better quarterback. Okay. Would Daniel Jones play? Is, let's ask the Carson Wentz question. So the schedule gets legitimately softer starting next week for the Giants. If he somehow looks good this week, would you feel okay about starting him next week? The answer is going to be no. I, Still no. I, I, D- Daniel Jones has got to prove to me that he's an NFL quarterback, whereas Carson Wentz doesn't. Carson Wentz has been an NFL quarterback. He's been an MVP candidate. He's he needs maybe a little more help around him than we hoped when we thought here he is the guy franchise man, you know, but Daniel Jones just has not proven that at all. And one game is not going to change that to me. And you know what it comes down to. You live it every week. It comes down to the turnovers. He flat out just doesn't seem to see it. He flat out cannot take care of the ball. And I'm not sure matchups matter that much. They didn't last year. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, it, it's funny. Like I, I don't want the guy to fail as a human. No, uh, of course. Like, but you know, as a fan and getting ready Gettleman and being able to just scrap this team and go forward. I'm kind of like, <laughs> eh, if it's the worst case, I'm not going to mind. All right, let's talk I mean, running backs. Pro- oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go oh, ahead. I was just going to say the problem with that, of course, is that it's not, it wouldn't be another, like, it's not going to just happen at the end of this year. You know, it's going to be another year. It's going to, then maybe even another year and you're, you know, we're all getting older. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's the sad part about it. Yes. I agree with you there. All right. So running back similar to Joe Mixon, uh, Kenyon Drake. Now, the good news is he's getting around 20 touches a game and he plays for the Cardinals. The bad news is not only, interestingly, the team is not using him much in the passing game. 
on top of that, he's getting the kind of the Josh Allen, Kyler Murray treatment of he's losing some rushing touchdown upside because of Kyler Murray. So what's your concern? I, obviously, Kenyon Drake is not droppable, but no. this is the one of like, is Kenyon Drake a bust? Is he going to be a mere mid-low RB2 the rest of the way for you? Probably that's about right. I, I, again, I was on the lower side of Kenyon Drake, so this isn't a shock to me. Um, so, so I'm just happened to be right as we're, we're recording this. I was happening. I'm putting together my first iteration of the rest of the season ranks that I do after week three. I, I tell, I tell everybody, no, I can't do it for two weeks. I don't know enough. But the truth is, I just hate it. And and now I'm doing, <laughs> uh, now I'm doing like a top 100 for the rest of the year. And. I mean, I have Kenyon Drake right now in a standard league, not in PPR, but would it change that much in PPR right now? It's a good question. But in standard league, I have him at 40 overall. Well, obviously, that's a, that's a discount from where he was taken. He was taken in the second round pretty consistently. Um, so so that's, that's, a, that's bustish, but it's hard to find volume among running backs. Um, I think if you have a concern, it's that Drake himself – simply has pulled this act many, many, many times. <laughs> and, and Chase Edmonds, in the limited time that he's been out there, I was never really a big fan. But if you're going to tell me who on film has looked like the better player between Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds, I'm not saying it's a no-brainer because Drake has had some decent moments. And to some degree, if what we're complaining about is usage, usage changes, right? If the guys are good enough, right. they'll, they'll start using them differently. But I'm going to say it's close. It's, you know, Edmonds had, uh, has had some big plays that Drake hasn't had. And maybe we are headed towards some awful <laughs> mishmash, which is sort of what depresses him a little bit in the ranks. Yeah, that, that evil laugh I gave you halfway through was the fact that like I was evil laughing at everybody that was like, why don't you have Drake inside your top 10 this year? And mm. so I, I was with you. I was lower than many on Drake as well. You might even been lower than I was, interestingly enough. All right, so here's another running back. Very similar to Drake, not being used in the passing game. Uh, the argument for Todd Gurley going into the season was, well, look who's behind him. The backfield is his. Uh, backfield's essentially kind of been his, but... The passing game hasn't. They, and actually, Matt Ryan just in general isn't throwing much to the running backs, even without Julio Jones. So Todd Gurley, it's hard to call him a bust. I'll put that in front of you already because it's not like Todd Gurley was an early second rounder. But the hope was he could bounce back having this backfield to himself. Is Todd Gurley stuck? And what we've seen from Todd Gurley recently is he's a fringy RB too, especially if he's not going to be used in the passing game. Yeah, I think I might have him two spots ahead of Drake for the rest of the season. So I consider him in the same neighborhood. But you're right, of course, that when we're, I mean, you said it perfectly right. Like it, when we're evaluating whether somebody is a bust or not, we're also taking a look at what the investment was. And the investment in Gurley was just lower because the expectations are lower because there were, there were people out there saying he's limping in training camp. He can't walk let alone run i mean there were people who were positive that he'd never play a snap right that he was just and that's not been the case he's been fine he's been okay it was a bummer that brian hill stole a touchdown last year but it wasn't a goal line touchdown it was it was from the 30 yard line or something it was a nice run but if you're telling me that brian hill is the reason we're scared about todd girl i just I'm not to the point where I believe it yet. I guess we'll, we'll see if Brian Hill can do things this year that he didn't do last year. He, he wasn't very good last year. Uh, I think Gurley has been okay. And he is, he is definitely more power back than anything else at this point in his career. But I'll say also that I believe it was his touchdown run uh, this past week 
like pretty made someone miss in the hole acceleration out to his left like he 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 he's not completely gone he's not to me like jordan howard you know he's not the he's not the just <laughs> he's going to find into something to run into and then stop running right when he runs into something uh it's it's good enough i would say i'm about where i it's probably about where i was on him to to begin the draft process maybe a little lower because I'm with you, it would be sort of nice to see him catch a few passes, and maybe that's coming down the pike. Also, remember that the Falcons have just been in the most insane games. There's three just totally deranged games so far, and maybe if there's some level of normalcy, we get a, a more normal feeling out of Todd Gurley. You know, you mentioned before the show that they were running fire drills and where you live. If Jordan Howard had to run out during a fire drill, would he make it through the door, or would he bump into the door frame running out the door? <laughs> that's a good question I re- i'm old enough to remember 2017 when people were telling me that jordan howard was headed for the hall of fame so i, I fought that uh, battle pretty hard good, I-, I i didn't love him good yeah. times good times all right so this one despite coming at a discount and drafts because of his concerns still could conceivably be a bust and i want to ask you about aj green especially because you watch a ton and i want to see if we're seeing the same thing because similar to ty hilton I'm seeing somebody who just doesn't have it, quote unquote, anymore. And what I mean by doesn't have it, he doesn't have what AJ Green was. He's definitely not, in my opinion, the AJ Green we knew. And I don't want to even say a step slower. He just feels a step off, too, in the fact that he's not getting separation and something I've brought to light for some people that don't understand. And this isn't to down talk to anybody because I know you understand this, but for listeners and stuff like that, the difference between being on target and catchable is you can be on, on target, but if the defender's standing in front of you, it's obviously not catchable. The problem is AJ Green's not separating, then Joe Burrow's not throwing him catchable passes, even though he's targeting him a lot. So do you think this is AJ Green partly because of Burrow being a rookie or are you alongside me a little bit more in the fact that AJ Green just doesn't have it anymore? Well, it's, it's three games after not playing a full season. So maybe right. not have it anymore is too big of a statement for me, but like, again, I'm doing this top 100 and he's not going to be in the top 100. So that's a, yeah, it's a, it's a bust so far. This qualifies as a bust. This, Am I dropping him? I think it's really, it really is if. It just depends on what else you have and what else you need and what else is available. I wouldn't view it as get him off your rosters. There's no chance. The, <laughs> the usage has been weird because uh, he's been almost like an outside possession receiver. They aren't sending him down the field. He hasn't yeah. had too many looks in the end zone. I can't, you know, I, I, I think I even said on my show, like, I don't work for Bengals.com, so I can't watch every pass pattern A.J. Green runs and tell you whether he's open or not. I'm, I'm watching the game. I'm watching the broadcast and then the coach's film, and I'm letting the play go by, but you don't watch A.J. Green on every route. You watch where the ball goes. And the ball has been going to him a fair amount, but it's, it feels like it's often been kind of short intermediate. It's been kind of zone beater type routes, not really beating man coverage. Um, you know, Tyler Boyd's the one who went bananas against the Eagles. And then they, I mean, the moment they start bringing, Auden Tate got three end zone targets and then the kid T Higgins got two and caught both of them. Uh, that isn't what you signed up for with AJ Green. No. Uh, I, I always sort of want to run counter to the, potential overreaction that says I saw one game where some young receivers seemed to bump over AJ Green and became clearly better than him and therefore that was the moment I knew AJ Green was done forever like he's 
but you know, he's probably not going to the Hall of Fame, but he was on the course to be a Hall of Famer at one point in his career. He's been an unbelievably great receiver. It's possible that things get fixed. It's a bunch of small sample sizes. But right now, I think I would agree that he was coming at a relative discount, but even that price wasn't low enough. So let's say bust. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I definitely agree with you there. All right, so let's talk the Williamses. We got two Williams. Mike Williams is interesting because Mike Williams through one game, which you want to talk about a super small sample, but through the one game with Tyrod Taylor was getting the same use as Keenan Allen, but was getting more opportunities downfield than Keenan Allen, which kind of made him intriguing. And then we saw what happened with the switch to Herbert. And now it's Keenan Allen and good luck if anybody exists on this team outside of Hunter Henry when Herbert's throwing the ball. So not by any cause of his own actions that being mike williams but because of the quarterback change are we all i'll say this let's not even call this one a bust or droppable but let's say for mike williams is he actually i will say droppable is he droppable until tyrod taylor potentially comes back and i know you don't want to drop him and go chase him again on the waiver wire but i guess does that say he's not startable maybe not even bench worthy until tyrod taylor comes back i don't feel that way i think for every game that Tyrod Taylor's not playing is a win for every person in that Charger <laughs> offense. I, I, I don't take one. So like this past week, what people, you know, if you didn't watch that game, you don't realize, I mean, Mike Williams had a long catch and his, his, he's, he still would have looked like he had two catches, but he would have had something like 60 or 70 yards. He was called for offensive interference and it was BS. It was a ter- there've been a lot of bad offensive interference calls. Um, so it's, it's been a bummer of, of a two games, but all I can tell you is that Justin Herbert is more aggressive and more willing, and, and Mike Williams has been bothered by a hamstring the whole time. He was getting treatment on the sidelines uh, during this past game as well. So for me, you're not using him right now, no question. Uh, it's a lot is going to depend on the kid, but the kid has the quarterback. He has just so much more upside than Tyrod Taylor ever is going to have, and I mean, we've just talked about Bengals and Chargers, and if you're going to hold my feet to the fire and tell me whose film I've liked of these two rookie quarterbacks more, I'm going to tell you it's Herbert. I, th- I think he's made fewer mistakes, a couple bad mistakes in each game, one in each game, bad mistakes. But Burrow has made significantly more. He has way more cheerleaders in the media, no question about it. And he's <laughs> like, I would much re- like he's been a checkdown guy. Burrow has, I think, even more than Herbert. Um. And, and I, I'm fine with that. I think Burrow's got a chance to be terrific. The best thing that Burrow does is that halfway zing, halfway touch throw that goes over the linebackers, but in front of the defensive backs. And he throws it really accurately. We saw it at LSU all the time. He's done it really well with Cincinnati too, but he's made some terrible reads and hasn't been as aggressive. And uh, I thought week three w- was better. Week three was better than, than, week two and week two is better than week one. So he's getting better. But Herbert, I thought has been awfully good both games as well. And, and I don't know the, that's a side Avenue, but the larger, and it's only, that's only a few games. I could change my mind next week, but the larger point is I am kind of encouraged, surprised to be encouraged. If Herbert's good, I was dead wrong. I didn't like the draft pick. So if, if he's as good, I think as he, you know, his past trajectory shows here, these first couple of games, then I think it's way better for Mike Williams. I think it's way better for Keenan Allen, way better for Hunter Henry, way better for Austin Eckler, way better period, because I don't think Tyrod Taylor is going to run a big league offense. 
I'm with you and I'm chuckling because I agree a ton with you. I was also not a fan of Herbert and I remember where I was coming back from the combine in the Indianapolis airport and I made a joke comparing him to Blaine Gabbert on Twitter and everybody laughed because they have similar last names with the Burts. And I'm definitely not a fan, but I agree with you for fancy purposes. Even in worst case, I think he is better. The funny thing too about Burrow and just to kind of go back to him real quick and down that route, you mentioned what he's doing well. And I think of what you see, what the team is letting him do, the, the, the bright side, the positive spin on him is not making him make too many reads because you're 100% right. When he's asked to make multiple reads is when he's struggling. Let him do what he was doing at LSU. Find the open guy and go. Like, stop making three, four, five reads. Just find one or two, go. It, just find it and go. The problem is, is, as we've seen through three games, at least in my opinion, uh, is that – He's finding his guy and finding what works. And then as with T Higgins and then as with the tight ends in week two is like, he's sticking with it. And NFL teams aren't going to let you just stick with something for all 60 minutes. And that's where I do agree with you. Also of where did the Joe Burrow problems come? All right. So the other Williams, I'm super reluctant to drop him mainly for Preston Williams is facing who the Seahawks this week. And what have we wanted to do so far is play anybody playing the Seahawks. But I will say the concerning part of it is just not Preston Williams hasn't been a lot involved. He's actually fifth on the team in target percentage. So Chris, is this a role change? Did we, and I don't want to say we, cause I don't want to, you'll let me know if, if it's, you weren't included in this, but did we expect too much from Preston Williams in year two after seeing the bright spots before he got hurt last year? Or what do we make of Preston Williams? It felt like way too small of a sample size to get carried away by Preston Williams. I certainly didn't have him any in my top 50 receivers this summer. I'm not sure whether did people, did people have him like as wide receiver 38 or something? I don't know. Um, He's, he's an interesting prospect and he's still really raw and probably every complaint that all the people who really know the draft much better than I do had about him as a rookie last year and he didn't play very many games before he got hurt probably still stands, which is he's likely figuring it out. Um, doesn't seem like the most natural fit for the eventual, Tua, the eventual Tua offense, for the Chan Gailey offense, that Chan Gailey was brought in to build an offense that Tua can, can be awesome in, you know, very West Coast, very horizontal, very quick, you know, maybe a little Cardinal Z. I, I guess if you're good enough, a receiver, even if you're of the style of, you know, not the fastest, big, you know, not all that adjustable, but, you know, you can, you can be open sort of just by existing and throw you jump balls and stuff. If you're good enough at that, the offense doesn't really matter. You can be that no matter what. But uh, like I'll say, it feels like maybe he's not the right receiver for what they're trying to do. And I don't feel any super strong reason. He just feels like part of such a giant group of receivers who could go off in any given week and the one week you drop him and he goes off, you're going to feel bad, but it feels like three more weeks he's probably not going to do anything. Yeah, this, I, th- I think that he's a great situation if you're in a league and somebody sees him go off this week and you happen to hold on to immediately turn around and trade, if you can, uh, if you have owners that aren't going to look at the f- full picture like you're mentioning. So another one, uh, let me ask you a question to start here and see if you heard these same things or saw these things being said. Uh, preseason, because I remember seeing and hearing them, Chris, is that Marvin Jones, well, if you look at his numbers on a per-game basis, they're even <laughs> better than Kenny Galladay. Do you remember that? 
Sure. <laughs> See, like I said, Marvin Jones, with or without Kenny Galladay this season, has definitively not had better numbers. Marvin Jones is kind of surprisingly, even if you didn't go down that, oh, he's got better numbers than Kenny Galladay, and said, well, he's just a wide receiver three with Kenny Galladay. He's not even that so far. What have you seen for Marvin Jones to tell people whether or not he's stay the course and stay with him, or he might end up being way less than what you expected this year? He's just another one of these receivers who is entirely dependent on his offense becoming a wagon. You know, he's, he is not an alpha. He's never going to be, he is a number two receiver. He is a, uh, I'm going to make three plays down the field, uh, in four games this year, good luck guessing which one. Unless <laughs> the offense just turns into one of those three or four offenses that sometimes we know which ones they're going to be. I didn't really hear a lot of people saying the Bills were going to be one of them, but they might be. Uh, <laughs> you know, or the Seahawks, right? It's possible that those are the ones that are turning into a wagon this year. Uh, so Marvin Jones is just, to me, he's fine. He's, a, he's an okay player. But the moment Kenny Galladay steps on the field, you go, okay, that's what an alpha looks like. Someone who doesn't really matter if you send a safety his way he's gonna get open and even if he doesn't get open kind of doesn't matter because he just has that thing of being able to go get the ball over two other guys if he has to Marvin Jones just doesn't have that Marvin Jones's best play line up on the offensive left side run a fly there's no help it's one-on-one because all the help is somewhere else and sometimes he'll beat that help and make his numbers for the season look like wow marvin jones you kidding me like remember that year he was wide receiver six or eight or something yeah Yeah, he wasn't wasn't the sixth or the eighth best receiver in the league (laughs) he just made some big plays and uh so again i'm gonna look at the lions just be like well i mean it was certainly much better last week with galladay back there they looked like a much more functional offense and maybe they've decided let's just try to get some wins with adrian peterson and save all of our jobs even though peterson wasn't good but i'll just say i don't think it's a wagon and therefore i'm not that interested in marvin jones fair enough all right so i'm gonna phrase this one a little bit differently for you then jarvis landry has he hit the wall or is he just uh, succumbing to a team that's just going to kill his value this year i think he probably is is rightly perceived as like a ppr wide receiver three i i'm probably about where i was on him to start the year because i never looked at the browns as being some likely to throw it 700 times this year you know i, I there's no such thing to me jake as an offense that's too run heavy for receivers to be good in the offense or the quarterback to be good in the offense for the purposes of fantasy. It's just not the NFL anymore. Like the Browns are still going to wind up throwing it 30 times a year ish. I mean, 30 times a game rather ish, like give or take some week they might, some week they might not. That's just the NFL now. Um, you know, what's, what was wrong initially with the Browns? I mean, you know, remember the freak out week one <laughs> with the Browns, <laughs> you know, Odell Beckham is a turd and it's their disaster and they're, and now they've kind of I mean, played some not-so-good opponents. And, ter- wow, it turns out they can produce some pretty decent numbers against not-so-good opponents. It feels like eventually the wheel comes around on Jarvis Landry. He's, just, he's a very reliable player, just sort of hasn't been because they haven't needed him that game. That game was weird. Did you get to see the Washington game? Mm, I saw about half of it. I uh, immediately okay. didn't, like, chug through the entire thing. <laughs> Right, so it so we all saw the the Thursday night game, the Bengals game, and right. 
and that and that was that was its own thing. The Washington game was actually a very close game. That Washington started the fourth quarter ahead, and Cleveland wasn't up by two scores until eight minutes to go in the game. And and I saw all sorts of people saying, "Well, you can forgive the passing game because you know they got a big lead, so they just sat on it." And I'm like, "Well, actually, for something like forty, fifty minutes, fifty-two minutes, they were only up by one score or losing." And so that you should be more alarmed about the, about the receivers of anything. But I thought Mayfield played well and they kind of seemed to be going back to simpler reads. And it strikes me that eventually, I don't know, again, there's a million wide receivers, but it strikes me eventually, usually Jarvis Landry sort of settles down and you get six targets a week. And that's probably what you need to have him be a very like a soothing fantasy laxative wide receiver three. Yeah, I think that's certainly fair. Uh, Jarvis Landry just kind of feels like he's that guy. And to to your point, is like you know it's going to be when you know everybody gets frustrated. It's like, oh look, Jarvis Landry can still put up that six catch, hundred yard game that we just right. don't think he can anymore. All right, so two more. We'll get you out of here. Uh, Brandon Cooks, uh, similar to the AJ Green question, and that's where I'm going to head with this one. Is is he this one? I will include. Is he potentially droppable because of this? Brandon Cooks' concerns was obviously concussions, but so far through three weeks, has Brandon Cooks lost a little bit? Like, admit, I, I, this is why I like talking to you because, in my view, what I've watched from Brandon Cooks is he doesn't look a hundred percent. And I don't know if he's just a step slower this year. I don't know if, you know, it's an overall body injury we don't know about. But Brandon Cooks, put it this way, Brandon Cooks doesn't look like Brandon Cooks to me. So I think it's a quad injury, right? They they pretty much have said it's a quad injury and he's been questionable a couple of times. What's what's just been weird about Houston in general, that offense in general, we saw it opening night. We saw it, we, we've seen it three times. I, I, I've watched them now three times. Uh, they were the best they've been in this past game. No question. They almost beat Pittsburgh. Uh, they don't go deep anymore. Like, why aren't you throwing the ball deep again? I can't figure it out. You know, and, and maybe it's just because they had this murderer's gauntlet of first three opponents. Uh, and now they have the Vikings who don't have a scary defense at all anymore, and now they'll, they'll let Deshaun be Deshaun because he hasn't been yet. If, if anything, we should be having the conversation about Deshaun Watson, not so much about Brandon Cooks or Will Fuller. <laughs> like, you know, Cook, I, thought, I thought Cooks was pretty good in week two, actually. But, but I agree that they haven't been running the typical Brandon Cooks shoot an arrow from the back of your fake quiver after you score an 80 yard touchdown type routes. It's just not, they've been sending them on crosses and digs and little whip routes. And it, it's, it doesn't really look like them, but honestly, it's been the case with Fuller too. Fuller got open a little more down the field this week, but will Fuller in week two, he was on the trainer's table in and out, in and out. I, I, I almost want to just sort of see it what's what it looks like when this week when they're playing against minnesota just see what do they change do they do they go back to being a much more swashbuckling offense uh every every question you're asking to me about cooks could be asked asked about fuller as well and honestly i don't i don't have the answer i don't know where the philosophy change came from but you saw it we all saw it that that opening night game where they were in it for a little while and then they were suddenly not in it and they're still checking everything down and calling draw plays and <laughs> just not going down the field at all. And that's what Deshaun Watson does. That's why he's awesome. That's why we love him. I mean, I love the guy. I, I kind of view Deshaun as a buy low. I would take the chance. I mean, you're going to have to buy, you have to be low. It has to be, it has to be 
for spare parts. It has to be low. Like the person yeah. needs to be panicked. I'm not telling you I'm positive that he's going to be awesome. I think he is though. Cause I think he's such a good player and I think he's probably going to drag cooks and fuller to better days. Both. And possibly do you want to, here's my conspiracy theory is Bill O'Brien's such a psycho that he's tanking <laughs> the passing game to make it look like he was correct about David Johnson and make David Johnson the best <laughs> thing about this team. He, he looked good. He looked right after one week. And now these last two weeks, and I'm, I, can't, I can't tell you that any other running back would have had any more success in, in those two games. But, you know, after one week, we're all like, holy moly, look at David Johnson. And then, and then these last two, I've been like, like, yeah. unholy moly, like not that, you know, <laughs> eh. but, but like, again, let's see, let's see, you know, normally you'd have gone, oh my God, a fourth elite defense in a row. It's Minnesota. And that is certainly not the case. No. And so let's. I'm this is one I definitely want to see. I'm very interested in in kind of checking out whether all right, let's cook, let's get Deshaun back there, let's throw it down the field. The whole receiving court is built built around speed. If you're not gonna run speed routes, what are we doing? What why'd you acquire Brandon Cooks to go alongside Will Fuller and Kenny Stills? There's nothing else. You don't have a possession receiver. Randall Cobb is your possession receiver. Dear Lord, please don't do that anymore. Uh I I bet you it gets it gets better. This is not an endorsement of me saying, and that was when Harris told everybody in week four that they should start Brandon Cooks. I just want people to, to maybe be patient and just give him one more week and see what happens. Okay. Well, speaking of checking out, let's wrap things up with my quote unquote giants and one tight end to talk things. This is now I will say, Chris, I have been the anti Evan Ingram person. I don't know where you stood on him before the season, week one, week two, week three. I'm telling people just drop him because I'm not saying the, hey, he did great without Odo Beckham, Sterling Shepard, and that's all he ever did because Evan Ingram athletically is still a matchup problem. What I'm saying is through three games, I'm going to kind of phrase it. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a question and then you kind of go into Evan Ingram as a whole. Does Daniel Jones know how to throw Evan Ingram when he's open? Because I haven't seen that happen yet. <laughs> so this is a, an awesome question because we would normally think of one of the very clearly drafted to be a top 12 fantasy tight end, probably in the middle of that top 12. Uh, I, I think I might've had him eight this summer and and i think it sounds like i was probably higher on him than you but maybe a little bit lower than the market so i think you were even more right on um yeah like it's it's very smart to be thinking of tight end as a completely fungible disposable position and you would typically think well the guy i took at to be the fifth best tight end or the sixth best tight end he's in the elites right i shouldn't stream tight end if i took that guy and my answer to that is wrong. <laughs> my answer to that is you should absolutely every single week be firing at the hot tight end. You know, it, a couple of weeks ago, what do you got in your John New Smith? And you'd feel awfully good right now. And, and we'll see if that changes when AJ Brown comes back. But I have a feeling it might not. It feels like they've kind of found something with John New Smith. And, it, and last year, it might have gotten you Darren Waller. Like there's, there's going to be a couple of guys it might get you Noah Fant. Like I would absolutely drop Evan Ingram for Noah Fant right now, not because I'm positive that Evan Ingram's going to have a much worse season than Noah Fant. I mean, God, Noah Fant's quarterback situation is turning rancid right before our eyes. I'm just going to chase big games. I'm going to chase points on the off chance. And if the dude then 
disturbs me and <laughs> doesn't give me the points I want, he goes and I take the next guy. I take a chance on Robert Tanyan or like, I'll just look for someone because the position is so disgusting. And if, if you had the mentality and maybe I halfway did and Jake didn't, but if you had the mentality when you took Ingram that he was part of the ones where you weren't gonna have to worry about that, that seems like that's, that notion has gone away. Hmm, certainly it makes a lot of sense. So speaking of a lot of sense, uh, if you're not following Chris, as you could tell, you're missing out on amazing content. So once again, Chris, uh, at Harris Football for everybody on Twitter and the website, but uh, everything else, remind them again, because you're doing stuff every single day, more than once a day. <laughs> I am. Uh, yeah, just harrisfootball.com. You can find it all uh, or follow me on social media at Harris Football. Uh, there's lots and lots of stuff to be done, but it's fun. I mean, you know, I'm complaining about having to do ranks, but good Lord, <laughs> it, beats, yeah. it beats actually working. So, uh, li- listen, it's, I like having you on my show. It's, it's, it's good times. It is good times, and I appreciate you coming on this one and talking through some of these players that have been frustrating. So, again, make sure you go give Chris a follow and a listen if you're not already, which would be surprised if you're not already. If you're, at least if you're trying to be a better fantasy football player, you should be. And I will be back again next week. So check everything out. I'm at All In Kid. You guys know that over at The Athletic. If you haven't signed up, $1 a month to start right now. And I don't know how long that's going to last. So I'll talk to you guys next week. Give Chris some love. Thank you, everybody.